0: Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Long Story Short podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Cornick. On today's episode, I will be chatting with the incredibly knowledgeable Daniel Davey, who you also might know from Instagram as Davey Nutrition. Daniel is a performance nutritionist who has worked with the Dublin Senior Football Team and Leinster Rugby, as well as athletes in other sports, including golf, hockey, athletics, motorsport and cycling. He is also the author of the books, Eat Up, Raise Your Game, and Eat Up, The Next Level. On today's podcast, we discuss ways to simplify your nutrition and avoid overcomplicating your dieting approach. We also touch on the importance of mindset and behavior change when it comes to weight loss, and Daniel provides plenty of tips for how to create healthy and sustainable habits over the long term. I absolutely loved this chat, and I really hope you do too. Hi, Daniel. How are you? And welcome to the Long Story Short podcast.
1: Great to be on the podcast.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I can only imagine our listeners are going to find this incredibly interesting. Before we get into things, Daniel, would you mind telling um, our listeners a bit about yourself? So who are you? What do you do? Who do you work with? And how did you get into the health and fitness industry?
1: Yeah, the who are you question is something I've thought an awful lot about over the years and it's something that i think probably changes uh, i remember being asked that uh on front of an audience for the first time and uh i gave the answer about what i did and who i worked with but who i am is i'm a i'm a, a son of farmers uh, from the west of ireland uh, i have a small sheep farm there you know that i still try and manage as best i can my mother manages it now I'm very connected to nature and to our, I suppose, the, the, the land and to my community at home in Sligo. Uh, but I have a huge interest in health, performance and nutrition. And who I am is somebody who really, really loves helping people unlock their true potential. And I think the, the path and the, the journey to that is something that gives me a great amount of fulfillment.
0: Amazing. That's that's a great answer. And I completely can relate. Sometimes we just refer straight to what's our job. And that's that's our identity. And I only actually had somebody on the podcast talking the other day, and they were so attached to their identity as an Irish dancer, that that's always what they responded with. Mm. Long story short, they got injured, and they felt that they lost that identity. Mm. So that's really interesting that you, you uh, have a farm, and that's where you've kind of grown up. Do you think that's kind of led into your interest in you know, health, wellness, um, and fitness?
1: I think it's a huge part of it. And it's, your environment is hugely influential uh, during your formative years and what you're exposed to. And I was exposed a lot to nature, lambs being born, calves being born, uh, hard work, my grandparents planting vegetables and, you know, me digging potato and helping my grandparents on the bog and all of those type of things. But uh, there's another part of it when you're from a community where people talk a huge amount about sport and who the local sporting heroes are. That's something that drove me all the time. What can I do? What are the things that I can do day to day to be strong, to be fit, to be healthy, to be to be a a, a successful sports person? And it's um, it's like when. Uh, this, this joke actually i heard quite recently about people who get into nutrition and health and training are often this is this is a joke now don't don't take this. No, this is not for anyone to take it personally but they're often failed athletes and like i would definitely say i had this idea in my head that i was going to as when i was a child that i was going to be a professional athlete and then when you don't reach exactly the heights maybe that you want to reach uh, you, the next best thing is working in profession or elite sport. And for me, it was, what could I do to get there?
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I grew up playing tennis and lived in the States, training at a tennis academy. And I, I, I was a failed athlete. <laughs> and like that, that's how I got into the industry. That was where my passion still still lay. So that's really interesting. I think
1: the word failed is probably an unfair uh, representation of it but I, I i definitely it definitely hit a nerve with me when i heard yeah. another nutritionist say that because i i i I think we're we're in a unique space because our there's a there's definitely there's a lot of similarities and personality types for people who work in our space
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, i suppose the other question that you asked was about um what were the big influences, it's, there's there's, the people element too. And uh, being um, a family who put a huge amount of emphasis on cooking good food and eating good food was a, another major component uh, of why I wanted to help people feel the same way that I did growing up around the value of, of, of quality food and, and cooking.
0: That's really interesting because I... My, my family, I'm an only child, and we grew up with. We went through probably about two or three years where my parents would say this. Well, our, our nutrition habits or our nutritional habits were by no means considered healthy, and that really had an impact on me growing. And something that I would love to, and by no means am I blaming my parents for that. I mean, everybody can you know, go through times in their life where they're not, you know, they're going through other things and their nutrition gets affected. But something that I would love to like that pass on when I hopefully have a family one day is that good nutrition habits, that food is for, you know, it brings people together essentially. And it's, it's a family, it's a family thing. And and my dad and I, we are such foodies, like our, we we have a list and we just tick off restaurants around Dublin that we we go to see. But he also, like I was saying to you, um, before we started recording, like he's really now into his cooking and cooking nutritious foods mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, there's no—you're never too late to start. But I just going back to that being a young mm-hmm. kid and kind of growing up in a house where there's always nutritious foods around, um, and not that there wasn't in mind. There mm-hmm. definitely was throughout the years, but we we did go through a as a family a couple of years where there were less, far less mm-hmm. nutritious foods in the house. But um, it does it does have an impact on, I think, what you your approach to nutrition later on in life.
1: Definitely, definitely. No, there's no question. And, which, and for you, was there something? Was there a, a point where you felt that things began to change more towards uh, healthy eating?
0: Definitely. So my, both my parents were quite overweight and my mum soon realised, and I mean there's a, there's a big long story behind this, but I suppose long story short, my mum, my mum realised that um, her, her mother had been quite sick at the time and my mum just kind of just stopped one day and said, like, I'm, I'm not comfortable in my body. I'm not comfortable in my own skin. Um, and that was her kind of, she was seeing how unwell her mum was. And she just thought, life is so short. Like, I need to start looking after myself. So she, I suppose, made the shift kind of first, joined a gym. She lost about three to four stone um, and, and was became incredibly healthy. And um, that was amazing. My dad kind of followed on with that as well. Started, he got a Fitbit he started walking and and just implemented this healthier lifestyle and now I mean we that was then passed on to me as I was a teenager then growing up I was seeing my parents be active going to the gym getting their walks in and that I kind of laid off I was quite an active kid as well like playing tennis a lot and unfortunately my journey kind of was stopped quite quickly and I developed an eating disorder and ended up in hospital but it really it did teach me Mm. a lot and um like that i i um i suppose wanting like that to thinking of the future if i do have kids bring them up in this household that is full of nutritious foods and also with how to create a balanced approach Mm. with it and i think you do that brilliantly and you portray that on social media yes you're involved in the health and fitness industry but i think it was it was god even christmas just gone or the one before that you put up about you having pints or something Mm. and i was like that's that's really good to see and i think people are going to find that really helpful Mm. that yes you can be so involved in nutrition and a healthy lifestyle Mm. but there is a balance element to it which i think is also really important yeah
1: it's absolutely fundamental and if you don't uh, it's not something that uh, you just switch on you can't just turn your mind towards i'm going to be balanced Uh, i think that there is an imbalance uh, in society around how we approach our food and um it's absolutely critical that we go through that uh, journey uh, uh, trying to implement a little bit more self-reflection um and and what that means for me is that I began to figure out that a more obsessive type of approach where I was focused only on really healthy food was really damaging um and it wasn't leading me to a you know to a positive headspace so I realized that the introduction of of certain things like I mean a- alcohol is something obviously that needs to be managed but I mean it's the same as with desserts or healthy treats or the ones that they're factored in um it's absolutely it's about the experience of those things you know
0: yeah I agree definitely and i think when we say that kind of 80 20 approach while i'm then in that other mindset of people can get really caught up on oh it has to be 80 percent and 20 percent, but it's it's to show that you can include in moderation a couple of drinks on a saturday night with your friends you can have a dessert in a restaurant And you can still get great results from Mm -hmm. that. Um, So I suppose from your experience of maybe working with people on that balanced approach, Mm -hmm. um, how how important would you say somebody's mindset and their relationship with food is when it comes to even somebody that does have a fat loss goal? Because I I would see this a lot of time where people come to me and they want to lose weight, which is not a bad thing. I'm never against people losing weight or losing body fat, especially if it's going to make them a healthier person. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I really try to always make sure and I suppose I'm a bit more aware of it given my past is that it's done in a healthy balanced way and that there's no cutting out carbs there's no cutting out fats there's no saying I can't have x food so I suppose maybe we should talk a little bit about that and what is your experience when it comes to people's mindset and their relationship with food and and still getting results when it comes to fat loss
1: yeah i suppose that's the sweet spot isn't it it's um it's where you build a positive relationship you build sustainable habits and the byproduct of that process is improvement in body composition because ultimately of course people want results and they want to feel good in their clothes and they want to build their confidence but understanding that you can only build confidence if you if your mindset is clear and that there isn't a sense of confusion or guilt or anxiety around food. And that's, that's definitely a process. And I suppose to answer your question, uh, when I'm working with somebody, even if it is a fat less goal, I will spend one if not two sessions uh, with that person discussing what the behaviors and the actions and the person's values look like uh, rather than anything related to nutrition, because you have to put a very very solid foundation in around what, what way do you want to live your life, and what is realistic? What are the kind of behaviours um, to allow you to live that type of of, of life? So, um, I, I guess the the answer to your question is that it's very different for everyone, and everyone is on a different path at a different point. But I have seen the that it is it is an it is critical to understand what are the things that are actually driving your decisions? Uh, Because very often food is used, as uh, everybody knows this, but the the comfort and the management of stress is a big problem. But what's driving the stress? What's driving the kind of issues where you're making decisions to try and make yourself feel better? You need to address those underlying factors first.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that that can be hard for people to see because as you said food is such a comfort for people it's such a um common coping mechanism for people and when you talk about values that's something that's actually come up for the past couple of weeks for me a lot and i i'm tend to be that that person that kind of overlooks a lot of the you know mindset approach and for me it's all about doing which is probably a, a downfall that I have I'm always about doing more and doing better and you know striving for better but when you bring it whether it's business related or health related when you bring it back to what do you value mm-hmm. and what's, what's most important to you and another thing you touched on there about how does it make you feel mm-hmm. and I see this so many times or I, I've been through this myself where you're dieting or you're trying to lose weight and you're actually feeling worse mm. and worse and your body image is getting worse and your your mindset around food is getting worse the more weight you mm. lose, which for me, it's always so important that I lay it out to clients as remember that your approach with nutrition and your approach with exercise is to make you feel better, not mm. worse. Um, and I think we, we overlook that a lot. And we think that dieting has to be this hardcore thing that we feel miserable throughout the process.
1: Well, the the world in which we live in is pushing information around constantly. Even people with the biggest voices, it's constantly pushing around uh, calorie counting, intermittent fasting. Like everything is is presented in a way uh, to make people feel that there's a shortcut that can be taken, and the the most of those things move people's lens or focus towards uh to those shorter term outcomes but also restriction and uh it's that's where the challenge is and it moves it away from how the experience of eating and the social aspect that we talked about from our family and from our values and you talked about the shared experience with your dad but can you imagine if every time you went for a meal with your dad you're taking out your phone to track your macros and it's, it's defeating the whole purpose of the enjoyment of food. Yeah.
0: That, that was a, that was a thing back in the day. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah. And, and I love just cause I kind of skipped over what you mentioned there about how you actually, when you start working with a client, you don't look at, you don't go straight to the nutrition side of things. You look at the behaviors mm. and that's again, like I said, I I even overlook that with myself, mm. but that's something that, oh, people get so much use from that because in in my opinion, nutrition is like 90% mindset and it's how you, the approach that you use and like you what you said, it, reminding yourself of your values and what's really important to me. I had a, a client come to me yesterday and I, with the women I work with, not everybody is in the gym to work on their nutrition some people are just there to lift weights and learn how to lift and get strong and that's absolutely fine but we do talk about nutrition whether it's in our whatsapp group or but most clients who are interested in learning more about nutrition will do their one-to-one check-ins anyways this client doesn't do the one-to-one check-ins but she's kind of been picking up on stuff that you know i've been posting on instagram or stuff that been, that's been said in the whatsapp group and she came to me yesterday and she's a mum of three and she said i just i'm doing really well with my diet and really happy but you know, is there any areas I can improve on? And she's saying like, I'll have this for breakfast, this for lunch. And then, you know, the kids will be having like lasagna and my husband will be having lasagna, but I'll be having like chicken, rice and a salad. And I kind of was like, like, why do you feel the need to have something separate to your family? She said, well, I, I can't have lasagna. Like, that's that's so high in calories. It's, it's really bad for me, really unhealthy. And I said to her, I was like, look, you probably will find that this is strange for a personal trainer to say this or a coach to say this but i would actually rather you have a higher calorie meal with your family rather than you cooking something separate for yourself you're going to save yourself a lot more time you're going to save yourself so much more stress and you're also going to they're they're quite young kids and you're going to save that i suppose questioning from your kids saying why is mom having something different and i just think again and maybe a little bit more hyper aware of it or self aware of it but kids pick up on those things and i think there is that by no means am i saying that that definitely will introduce any form of disordered eating but kids question those things of why should mom be eating this and and i definitely felt when my mom started her nutrition changes and habits good three years ago i it did i was aware of it I, I did think oh why is mom not eating pasta and why is mom not eating bread i think the
1: main thing is uh, and i've done a little bit about this is that uh, we're uh, particularly children are are sponges and they're very 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 sensitive to environments and they pick things up very quickly. So of course they're going to feel like their mother is detached uh, from that meal. And it, you know, we here in our house we do pizza every single Friday and it's the fun element. And if fun, if fun, fun is one of our core values within our business and within our company. So it's evidence-based, but it has to be fun, and and the only way that all of these practices that we're trying to ask people to build into their lives on a consistent basis can be sustainable is if there's an element of fun and that there's an element of enjoyment. And you asked me about a little bit earlier about you know alcohol, and it, it, it's it's that management of all of these different elements over time and how comfortable we are with them in our minds that that allow us to be consistent because we all expect we all expect too much too soon and we all know that it's consistency you see it everywhere at the core of every single every single principle around training or nutrition is what can we be consistent with
0: that's that's brilliant no i think you've you've touched on some great you know advice there how important that is incorporating that you know balanced approach which again like i said is why I started following you in the first place. Um, so I suppose when it comes to nutrition as a, as a topic for people, and again, we kind of touched on it as well, it's it's the behaviours, it's the um, the restriction, but is there one thing in particular that you see most people struggle with?
1: Um, is there one thing? I, I, I think when it comes to, I think there's, of course, there are absolutely patterns. I don't think there's any doubt that there are patterns to behaviours and There's patterns that society uh, has, the way that we live in society has led to these patterns. So the most common challenge is people's workload and how busy they are, which leads to a lack of planning and a lack of organization and a lack of thinking about food as as a priority. It's very often an afterthought. And how that plays out is very different in everybody's life. But very often things like going long periods of eating earlier in the day because we're actually much easier we can manage that most, much more easily uh, often leads to overeating later in the day but that's just one example that could be you know that could be uh different for somebody else i mean it 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 can be eating biscuits after dinner in the evening it, it there's there's a whole series of events that come about if you are, if you're lacking overall awareness about the things that are influencing your decisions. So I mentioned evening eating, it could be the main challenge for another person could be that they don't have something available to them at work um, or they haven't thought about the planning around what they need because they're busy during the week and they don't have those key elements in place and it falls somewhere. That's that people will fall down at some point without that structure, so it's not like um I don't think it's as simple as saying it's not eating enough protein even though that could be something for someone or it's not drinking enough fluid it it it's totally dependent on people's broader awareness about how how nutrition makes them feel and the investment of time in nutrition in their lives in general,
0: yeah, and I think structure is one of the things that I talk a lot about is you know calorie counting can be useful at some points tracking your protein can be useful for a lot of people at some point but in in my opinion you can't beat having that bit of structure i often kind of say to some clients like if they're finding tracking or overwhelming or too time consuming right pick three meals breakfast lunch and dinner have them roughly at not your breakfast roughly at nine o'clock every morning your lunch at roughly around one o'clock every day and your dinner at around six seven o'clock in the evening pick two snacks have it you know whether it's the morning you find you're a little bit more hungrier, or after dinner if you know that's when you're you're wanting something to to eat something sweet or something nice um so that structure is so important and not even necessarily from a calorie perspective, because I have to kind of give a disclaimer that there's no secret magic trick to eating at certain times or anything like that when it comes to fat loss, but it just structure is so important. And it's, I suppose, can be hard to tell a busy working mom of three kids when this 24 year old is saying, you really need some structure in your day. I'm sure they're going, what are you even talking about? But it, it, it can be so so useful and actually then lead to less stress later on in the week or later on in the day. Um so I, I think that's a that's a great kind of tip for people that you said is just work on yeah. that structure. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I suppose to add that providing the structure around the most important points and that's that's again that's the awareness and where are the points in the week where you're under more pressure than others and where is your opportunities to problem solve and and that's um that comes from looking at your week ahead and that's where the the concept around exercise days and rest days came from for my first book it was just trying to simplify it that you have different demands your body is different demands your mind is different demands depending on, on on what your week looks like on different days and just trying to aligning your 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 food and your energy and your meals a little bit more according to that
0: yeah would that be one of the first places you would get somebody to start is there anything else when it comes to let's say i'm a i'm a client and i come to you and i want to first thing i want to do i I want to you know my my end goal is to or my long-term goal is to lose you know five ten kilos whatever it is but i i i don't know where to start where Mm -hmm. what would you tell me first thing to do
1: well the the first thing i suppose is to do a little bit of a review of what your what your behaviors and what your nutrition currently looks like where are how are the meals structured and as we talked about the value of that and it goes back to there's there's the physical so there's the physiology of fat loss and and what are what is actually happening when you're creating a calorie deficit and it is then how If we go too far with that, what are the implications of it? And I always tell people that if you create a calorie deficit that's too significant and it's not manageable over the course of time, it is impossible. It is impossible to control that. There's no amount of motivation or discipline that's going to allow you to maintain that deficit. At some point, it will overcome you and your willpower and you will overeat. So understanding that it is uh, aligning people's expectations are a critical part of this process and what a calorie deficit actually looks like and what it feels like. Now let's actually plan incremental changes that are going to facilitate that calorie deficit, but in the most manageable and sustainable way. And very often people just look at it in a linear fashion. They think 12 weeks pound a week, 12 pounds. It's as simple as that, but they don't foresee potential cold or they don't foresee an issue at work or something in their life happening or things that they need to attend. And at some periods, it's just about management. It's just about management of their food. So it's, it as I said, it's structure, it's expectation, it's awareness, it's a vision for the kind of behaviors and where you're going towards. And then it's the, the day-to-day things around what are the, what is the person's skill level? How capable are they of preparing certain meals? What are the meals that they're comfortable preparing? How can they build those in consistently? You mentioned a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How does that actually fit a person's schedule from a work perspective? What time are they getting up in the morning? Uh, What time are they training? Are they having a breakfast before or afterwards? Uh, What are the meals that they're going to have? And it's it's getting down. I would even challenge people to talk about the solutions that they can put in in order to facilitate this. And it's, it's ultimately about the things that they can control as consistently as possible. So we, um, we talk beforehand uh, about the importance of one-to-one. And I, that's where I think the real value is because it's the detail that's specific to an individual that really matters that they can connect with. Uh, so we haven't got into protein. We haven't got into carbohydrates. We haven't got into healthy fats, any of those type of things. But there's one other, I suppose, absolute fundamental, a key principle that I get every single person that I've ever worked with, elite athlete, professional athlete, or somebody who just walks for movement. And that's the mixed meal concept. And people go, mixed meal? And a mixed meal is just simply understanding the value of having a carbohydrate source, a protein source and a healthy fat source at each one. And then I get them to describe meals that actually do that. Avocado beans, toast, scrambled eggs and overnight oats, which yogurt, berries, oats. It's a slice of, of, of toast or peanut butter, uh, and maybe some, um, banana. It's the combination of those things. And now, let's really monitor how that makes you feel and the satiety element that we talked about in detail which again will facilitate that fat and goal that we're talking about
0: yeah that's that's brilliant and I, I said this to you at the start you have this way of really simplifying it and uh, coincidentally I actually only looked at you put up a video of the mixed meal uh, concept and you were saying you know we hear about these different type of diets you know the five two keto yeah
1: all this intermittent fasting yeah intermittent yeah.
0: fasting exactly and at the end of the day what i think you've described there is something that is so simple so for anybody who is coming into this you know i want to lose weight with this mindset of i don't even know where to start it's all so confusing it's it can be as simple as that and you can get incredible results from doing that but you really focus on how that makes you feel which is so important because we went back to a few minutes ago talking about, you know, you see these people who are losing weight, yet they're looking more tired and they're looking more drained and they're more stressed because they're worrying and they're preoccupied about food. It has to, in my opinion, certainly just come back to how does what you're eating make you feel? And this is, I suppose, something that I struggled with in the past from one end of the spectrum I was dieting way too hard. I mean, I was playing tennis for six, seven hours a day and I wasn't eating carbohydrates. I was limiting them as much as possible. That obviously made me feel crap. I think back and I don't know how I, even, how I even lasted. And let alone I was in 35, 40 degrees of heat in Florida, which just makes no sense. But I then went to a stage where I was always feeling the need to have something sweet every day. But then I got to the stage where I was almost just in a habit of doing that. And I was it, I, I wasn't really appreciating or feeling that, you know, this bit of chocolate or these sweets were actually making me feel very good. And I kind of got to the stage where I was like, I think I'm just having them for the sake of having them, because, you know, that was so I suppose there are two kind of ends of the spectrum that. It's hard to bring it back to that balance, but it's it's really going back to how is this food making me feel, or how will this food make me feel? And we, when we look at it as, uh, food is fuel, and it's to give our body energy and nutrients. And I think when you the example you gave there, when people are looking at calories and they don't take into you know consideration, I could get sick, or I could have a really stressful weekend work and. We just look at calories as calories, okay? I'm putting food in, that's it, and I'm spending my energy. But there's a feel aspect to it of the effect that it has on our performance throughout the day. I think that's that's really you know, a, a good note for, for a lot of people to take is food is to make you feel good. And sometimes that can be having a pizza and a few drinks on a Friday night because that makes you feel good. You feel you're having great fun with your friends or your partner or whatever it is. But then sometimes it'll be a case of, you know you're hungover on a sunday is a pizza really going to make you feel good probably not a nutritious meal is probably what's going to make you feel good in that moment in time so there's another element of of balance to that
1: definitely and i think what you're describing is uh, self-awareness around your nutrition and uh, you have to have that as a as a key part of the of the process and I feel most people. I had this conversation with the a researcher, a very good friend of mine, recently. Who we talked about people who are living a very t- typical type of social life. I, I was in, I was away for a, a weekend at a at an event, and I, like, I came home and I felt so bad for three days afterwards. No regrets about any of it because I don't do it that often. But then I saw a large number of the people out again the following weekend doing exactly the same thing again and i said to my friend i was like you know do do they not feel <laughs> i <It's> so crap <laughs> um and if they're doing it week on week on week i mean you're constantly in a phase of 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 trying to scramble and dig yourself out of a a very very low place and mm that's a vicious cycle to be in so I, but i think what we discussed myself and my friend was that you know the you you can move away you can shift your set point and how you feel to a point where you don't actually know that that's not normal mm. you know and i think a lot of people don't actually pre- realize for so long these all of these behaviors is having such a negative effect because they haven't gone long enough living really well to know that's actually, that's not the way that I should be living my life.
0: Is there anything you would suggest or any advice you can give people? Is it journaling? Is it just sitting back and, you know, maybe looking at what you eat from, you know, eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night? Like, is there anything that you would say is good to just bring that more mindful approach back in and just be in that kind of moment of what what do I eat on a on a daily basis? Because a lot of people don't know what like you said, they're kind of in that space for so long where they've been, you know, they're used to going out three or four nights a week. And it's just that that cycle.
1: Well, the the interesting thing that I've learned over time is that people actually do know. They they have an incredible depth of understanding when you have a really good exchange, a conversation. So I could sit with a client and I could ask just questions. I could ask in this situation and this scenario, what should you eat? And the answer is almost, almost right. And I did, a, I did a workshop this week with a team. And the understanding when I was going into the workshop was that they didn't know how to prepare for training. They didn't know what things they should be eating for recovery or for the lead up to games. And all I did for the hour was ask them questions. And they knew all of the answers. Mm. The challenge was getting them to be consistent with those. So if you ask somebody how they should eat, most people will be able to tell you a version of porridge, salad, fruit, nuts, um, a, a, a vegetable dinner with the fish, or a protein, a carbohydrate source of eating. Most people are able to tell you that. But what they're not dialed into is the detail in their life. And they're not dialed into the... So you ask me, what are the actions... What we implement with um, a, a, again within our clinic and within our practice is um, is a practice called reflective practice, and um, it can take any form. It can take it can take the form of uh, a specific person that you have a conversation with, who's it's a professional person or somebody within your network who you're speaking to about your practices, and that's evolving your understanding. It can be journaling, as you described. It can be recording voice notes to yourself. Um, or it can be doing things like food diary. It, it, th- there, there's lots of different ways. The, the simplest way that most people are doing it in society is is through tracking. But that's only looking at numbers. And I have a has, I I, I have a very strong aversion to the detail that's happening in the world around uh, numbers. Even even things like um, trackers, because mm. it's 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 removing the thinking. So I remember, I remember speaking to one of the most qualified researchers and clinical practitioners in sleep and behavior, and he said that if a person was to wake up in the morning and track their sleep and the, the how they slept, how they feel about they slept, give a perception of 1 to 10 about how they're feeling, their alertness, just 20 minutes after they did it, they would get Far more value than any piece of technology that they could possibly uh, that they could possibly get back, um, but people are just not willing to do that. They want the flashy lights and they want yeah. some number to flash up on the screen to say, you know, you slept well.
0: Yeah, I think I I, I have a Fitbit and I love it because it tracks my steps and I like to track my workouts. But I definitely would say to anybody considering getting one that you know you can't rely hundred percent on it by no means and it's it's almost like it's again that that one end of the spectrum that I can actually I almost feel can kind of you know uh, I, I don't know if you've ever had a whoop or the the band that tra- tracks your um HRv so your your recovery state and i I don't have one but I don't think I'd want one because. I just feel I would get so caught up if I was in the red zone when I woke up, which is apparently you're just, you know, you're run down, you're tired. Me mentally would, or after seeing that, would think, right, I can't go to the gym because I'm tired. This watch is telling me I'm tired. Whereas if it was just a normal day where I didn't check that watch and, as you said, wrote down actually how am I feeling, you know, 20 minutes after I woke up, I probably would go to the gym, do you know? So I, I think they can be great, but like you said, it's it's not – we're not robots and numbers and looking at that type of thing can be brilliant to get awareness um and an idea of where where things are at but when they become i think things that make certain decisions for us um it it can be a bit of a a problem and i just for me feels a bit weird relying on a watch to tell me how my how my recovery is or how my body is
1: they're good for the time
0: yeah exactly exactly no, yeah. I, I,
1: I, yeah I think the the awareness part is the is the is a big one and we probably we've we've uh we've talked about it quite a bit um but it, whether it be calorie awareness or awareness of your state of course technology can be helpful but it's a dependence on that there may be an issue around
0: mm, agree agree and yeah I, I I've definitely been there with oh my 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 gym session doesn't count because I forgot my watch at home and like what that's
1: what I'm talking about
0: it. yeah exactly and and I hear it from uh, a few of the women in, in the gym sometimes and they're like oh no I forgot to set my watch and uh, somebody will joke with them and say well that means your workout doesn't didn't count so like yeah I think when we look at it too much like with anything I think when we you know exercise and nutrition there's such amazing things for our, our bodies and our minds but there is there can be that point where it goes too far and you you push it to to the point where it's actually an an unhealthy obsession. Um, And like that, that's hopefully, you know, the minority as opposed to the majority of people for I'm sure the majority exercise and nutrition is introducing that into their life is a brilliant thing. Um, But I I suppose going back to when you talk about those just simple things for people to look at, how are they feeling that awareness with their body and and creating that structure? Something that I first... uh, definitely changed my mindset on over the years when it comes to nutrition is not feeling like everything has to be organic you know made from scratch uh grown from the ground that is probably easy enough for for you but I know for a lot of people there is that um feeling the need that everything has to be perfect I definitely am one now who in my weekly grocery shop puts in a packet of chicken that's already cooked, you know, and that you put in a sandwich or, you know, using microwave rice instead of cooking my rice from scratch, just because convenience is for me is absolutely needed. And that's something that I, I I try to talk my clients through who tend to maybe overwhelm nutrition a little bit. And, oh my God, well, I don't have time to meal prep and I don't have to do this. It it can be as simple as, you know, you can use those foods that are already pre-cooked or pre-made. What's your, what's your kind of opinion on that?
1: I I think that you're you're right. That there is elements of of food that we definitely overthink. And uh, well, the one thing I'd say about Ireland is that we do have access to incredible food in our shops. We're not. There's very few people that far away from the provision of really good food um, as a as an option. And just I suppose a, a question I do get a lot is but even things like frozen vegetables and frozen fruits and all of those type things even packaged are are a great alternative and you can make smoothies really simply and really quickly and really effectively that way um so the the other thing i suppose is people on the move they we, we we are under a lot of time pressure and there are going to be situations and circumstances where you need something quick you you might pull into a petrol station um and my um what what would i how would i describe it my go-to my simple go-to or my feel-good quick snack that i enjoy and i don't think anything too much about is a i'll have a protein milk and a kind bar um if i need something if i'm going to play a game of golf or i need a quick recovery and i haven't brought something with me or made something with me so we all need those and i don't even i don't i don't think they even need to be labeled but those little moments in our days or in our week where we need to get out of a, a, a little bit of a of, um, get out get out of jail, snack, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, you're right. There's there's definitely elements that it doesn't need to be, everything doesn't need to be fresh and super green all the time. Um, and, and we don't need to overthink those moments.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes that can be the, the make or break point for people where they think, Oh, I forgot my lunch, you know, fuck it. I'll just go and get a roll with wedges and a packet of crisps and a Coca-Cola because they just think I wasn't perfect, I've messed up. And for it, for me, I'm like, no, like this is your, your opportunity, your challenge to be like, okay, I'm going to go to, you know, a petrol station or, or a mm-hmm. shop and I'm going to try to come up with something. It's not yeah. going to be perfect, but something yeah. that's, you know... Yeah better than hitting I call the fuck a button and going yeah 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 you know my diet's out the window
1: yeah 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 that's exactly it and there's sometimes you go to a deli you can get a very tasty sandwich that serves you really well until you do have that opportunity to make something or get something a little bit better so yeah I there's um there's definitely there's a there's a range there's a large range of of decisions that you can make. And I, I the other thing that's important is that regardless of what does what you do have, just don't overthink it. It's one option. It's one meal. It's one moment in time. And you mentioned the 80-20 rule. I think that's um, it's it's um it's a good place to start, but I wouldn't I don't even attach percentages to these things anymore. I think it's more once you become really in tune with your food and you become like it sounds so philosophical but i once you come in tune with how you're really really genuinely feeling the decision becomes incredibly easy and i'll give you a small example um i have a, a a very simple rule of thumb when it comes to alcohol and it is i can drink myself it's like i can i can drink on two days of of the week and i decide when those are going to be most of the time it's a friday but it might be i open a bottle of wine a nice bottle of wine i plan on having it on a friday i have half a glass and it's just not sitting right so the cork goes back in and just because it's friday it doesn't mean i have to have three glasses of wine. I might have a glass when I'm making dinner on a Sunday evening instead. Yeah. But that I you, you know, you get to that point yeah. where you're what you're you're much more comfortable with those decisions.
0: Yeah, that's exactly actually a conversation I had with a client in their check-in this morning. They were kind of saying that they just know Friday, Saturday and Sunday is their their write-off day. I was saying, well, you know, Saturday is just a day that you're not in work. It's still, you know, you don't have to associate days with how your nutrition looks necessarily because you know there's seven days in the week i for me i work on a saturday so i also could call that a work day. you know so it's um it's yeah it's funny how how we kind of say like oh every friday this is Mm. what i'm going to do and then you get there and you're you you open that bottle of wine or you get that Mm. takeaway and you're like i don't really know was that
1: Mm.
0: worth like i don't really know do i want this was it worth i think it's nothing to, for people to feel bad or guilty about. It's a good learning curve that it's a really, again, another reason to come back to and go, I'm just going to listen to what do I actually want and listen to your body. It's a really hard thing to do, I think. But
1: No, I, no, I did you get there.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, those are some brilliant tips and advice that you have and so practical. And that's, like I said, one of the main reasons that I wanted to get you on is because your approach to nutrition is simplified which I think a lot of people need because there's there's a lot of bullshit out there on Instagram and on I'm I barely even use TikTok but on TikTok there's a lot of you must do X to get Y results and you know yes that approach might work but at the end of the day we're always coming back to how the individual feels and is it a long-term is it going to be a long-term success for them um so yeah I think our our listeners have no doubt picked on of on so many interesting things that you've had to say there, and I just think your approach to nutrition is a really admirable uh admirable thing so yeah.
1: well hopefully Vicky, it seems like you're doing you know you're you're driving really important messages with the with your podcast and people that you're speaking to within your own you know your own clients and you within your own network and I suppose the people while The principles uh, and the nutrition guidance that I will share and that we may talk about sounds incredibly simple. The nutrition is incredibly complex because of the elements that influence our decisions that we're not even aware of. And I think that's the big challenge is that sometimes while I absolutely do put out a lot of very simple messages... If you were to sit down with me and we were to talk about your relationship with food and we were to talk about your nutrition, we would go to places within that conversation that you wouldn't expect mm. because we where we started we talked about the emotion uh, related to food and all of the decisions and that influences us and it and until we become really comfortable and aware of all of those with all of those things, it's very difficult to get to that point where
0: it's simple.
1: It's simple. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that makes, that makes great sense. And I hope, you know, maybe if somebody is listening to this and they're going like that, it's, it can't be that simple. It's, it's not, you know, to maybe it's, it's great for them or a good idea for them to take a step back and kind of look at, okay, what are my emotions around food and what what am I feeling and what are, you know, maybe certain triggers that I know cause me to overeat. So I think that, Is probably one of the one of the best places to start is you know how do I think of food and what what are my thoughts when I am having food, Um, so no that's a that's a really good point point to make thank you so much I I just before we finish up I have three rapid fire questions for you lovely um so there. I say they're simple questions, but a lot of people actually kind of hesitate with them. do yeah. yeah, and
1: I will as well, I'm sure.
0: Amazing. So first one, what is your favorite breakfast?
1: I eat, I love scrambled eggs on whole grain toast. And it is, it's the weekend breakfast. But I have to say, um, recently I've been making my, I haven't made it in so long, but I've been, I've been making my homemade uh, crumble. With pear and apple and it is an oat so it's an oat baked crumble and last week i made it on a sunday and i had it for breakfast monday to wednesday and it was phenomenal and i thought you know what that's a breakfast dessert snack all in one so there's something that people could try
0: absolutely is that in your book
1: it is it is it's in my first book or it's on the website but it's a it's a just having some with yogurt in the morning, it like it's a combination of like a compote and granola, but it's the other way around. So normally the compote's on top.
0: Amazing uh, crumble is my death row dessert. So
1: yeah, mine, mine too. I, I,
0: I, will definitely, I will definitely try that. Um, number two, what, who, sorry, is your favorite music artist?
1: Oh. God, there's so many different people come into mind. I, I'm I'm going to say because of the emotion of, uh, associated with this. I'm going to I'm going to give it to you. So, growing up, it was Gareth Brooks. I knew every single song off by heart, and I went to see Gareth in in uh, in Crow Park during this, last year. That's
0: going to be my my next question. There, yeah, did
1: you go? I did, I did. I went to see him first time he came when I was 12, and I went to see him last year. Uh, Elvis is a very special um artist in our home because my dad um and my mother just they played him all the time and he was on uh, there's a lot of feel good emotion around Elvis so I'll say Elvis too
0: wow have you seen the movie
1: went to see it with my mother and um have watched clips repeatedly on uh YouTube
0: yeah wow I actually I have yet to see it so I but I heard it's well worth a watch probably not quite like watching him because I don't think anybody no, <no, would compare. No. But um, no, I that's one for for my list there. Um, and your favorite book? It doesn't have to be health related. You could say your own book.
1: <laughs> I'm going to share um, a book that uh, I think it comes to mind. You know, when I get this question, it comes to mind straight away because of how helpful it was, and it's only it only takes about half an hour to read, but it helped me and my self-awareness and my awareness of how other people think and respond. And it's called a zoo around here. And um, it's about different personality types and how they respond to communication. So it labels different personality types depending on their character or their animal. So for example, a monkey uh it it can be related to somebody who is very uh, naughty and up for mischief and jumps around and plays around a lot versus the lion who's really serious and the monkey and the lion they tend to clash a lot so uh let's say the um an elephant and a a dolphin are quite empathetic deep thinkers and They tend to clash as well with the lion because the lion just wants, let's do stuff now. Here's the information we need. Here's the top line, whereas the thinkers take much longer to make decisions. So I, I, I read it at a time where I needed clarity on the relationships in my professional environment, my professional life, and it made things really simple. And it really helped me communicate with the lions and the elephants and the monkeys an awful lot better.
0: That's amazing. That is definitely one, especially the fact you mentioned it's what took thirty minutes. To read. Yeah, that,
1: it's really short.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's that's definitely a good one. I think, to be honest, I think anybody in any work environment could could that personality kind of um, you know acknowledging people's personalities has a huge yeah. Uh, benefit to people Uh,
1: definitely one uh if you want to understand your workplace it's kind of fun labeling people different animals as well nigel nigel risner it's called uh, is the the author
0: good to know god i'm definitely definitely going to pick that up that's brilliant and um so lastly daniel if people have been living under a rock where can people find you whether it be socials websites let us know yeah
1: i i suppose i'm very proud of my recent book uh, eat up the next level i speak a lot about mindset vision self-talk and how to build in the behaviors that we talked about and i reference a lot of my time from working in in, in elite sport and there's lots of recipes there that are signposted based on exercise days rest days uh injury recovery things like that and um, i have my handle uh, at Dave Nutrition and website com. Thanks very much for having me, Vicky. I appreciate it. It's been a good chat.
0: Love that chat. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Daniel and no doubt you took so many helpful tips from it. Make sure to share it with your friends, family, or anyone else you think might find it useful as this really helps in growing the podcast. For more info, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Vicky Cornick, as well as my gym page at victory underscore fitness underscore IE. This is where you can also check out our 28-day trial that we run for half price. And lastly, if you're wanting to get updates for future episodes, which include some incredible guests, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.